Thanks for listening to the Cruise Corner Podcast. This is your host, Lonnie, bringing you episode five, Here to Stay. Suicide is one of the tougher topics I cover, not so much in the sense of talking about it, but based on the feedback I've received over the years, it's been clear that it's one of the harder things for people to read about, listen to, or to just discuss. And I talk about suicide because I wish my friends that committed suicide had said something. I wish they could have talked about what they were feeling or what they were going through, uh, what was going on in their head, so I could have understood why they felt like ending their life was the only choice that they had. And I also wished that they could have done this so that I would have known that I wasn't the only one having those same thoughts back when I believed It was the only choice for me. Suicide was not a subject that came up very often when I was a kid. Uh, It was something I was aware of. Like I knew people took their own lives. I didn't know why. I didn't know how necessarily. And when I would ask anybody about it, all anyone would really say was that it was just a sin. Uh, It was just something you weren't supposed to do. It was a topic that was forbidden It was an act that was forbidden. And when you did bring it up, you could literally see the uneasiness that came over the person you were talking to. And it wasn't something that I really had to be fully exposed to until I was an adult. And it wasn't something I would develop an understanding for until I'd experienced enough in my own life to really uh, have the time to grasp the effects of trauma and sort of see the result of mental breakdown. If you are listening to this and you are someone that has never lost anybody to suicide, I pray that it stays that way, that you never do, because it's so hard to explain. For me, it was something that it felt very different from losing someone to illness or old age, where I usually had the time to prepare. It felt different from losing somebody to an accident because uh, even though you're left wondering why it had to be them, you end up kind of like why they had to be taken away so soon and you still dealt with grief and trying to figure out how to live without them. Uh, The difference I felt like was in those situations, uh, I really learned how precious life was losing people to age or accidents because you just, uh, life's either too short or you just know that it could end any moment. And I mean, like an accident, suicide can be pretty unpredictable. It can happen out of nowhere. It uh, doesn't always give you time to prepare like old age or illness does. Uh, It's painful. It's heartbreaking, uh, just as most losses are. But it's also it has the ability to be so damaging and confusing for the people that are left behind. And it can leave you feeling like you failed, like you missed the signs or just like you didn't do enough for the person. Each time I lost someone to suicide, I always had an endless number of questions. I always wondered if I could have stopped it, if I contributed in any way. Uh, if they, I always wondered if they knew I cared and that I would have talked to them, that I would have, uh, they could have 
bothered me at any time and wouldn't even been bothering me that I would have preferred if they had called and woke me up at night to talk about it than waking up to find out that they were gone. When I was 20, I lost my first friend to suicide. And even over a decade later, I can still remember the last conversation we had. And I can remember it like it was yesterday. And I can recall the pain I felt in my heart when I found out they were gone. Uh, And it was the first time in my life when I really felt unsure of whether I had said or done the right thing for somebody else. And as the years went by, I found myself wondering quite often if I had, if I could have stopped it, if it was a situation that I could have somehow changed, or if it was just as out of my hands as it felt like at the time. And it was years before suicide would resurface in my life after that friend that committed suicide in Uh, Once I joined the army, this thing that had been practically non-existent suddenly became overwhelmingly common. We all know about the 22 a day in the veteran realm, but thousands of service members die annually by suicide. Uh, And for me, it, it started as early as boot camp when one of the people that had been held over because of an injury, they got recycled into another class. They weren't even recycled into another class. They were just waiting, I think, to be sent home. But uh, it appeared that they had attempted to overdose on some of the pills they had been prescribed for the injury they had had. And about a week later, when I was on weapons guard with another soldier, uh, We got to talking about that person as well as somebody that had recently collapsed in the showers uh, a couple of nights prior to us talking. And uh, I'd always thought it was from a heat stroke or something, but the girl I was on guard with believed that it was uh, another overdose attempt. And I recall hoping that she was wrong and just the idea that any person would feel like that was their only option saddened me. It it just bothered me to think that anybody would feel like that was all they could do. And when I finally made it to advanced individual training uh, or AIT, the building my platoon was assigned to came with these these tales kind of uh, about a soldier that had committed suicide in them. They had jumped out a window or something. It was some story that just seemed crazy when I got there. But uh, whether the story was true or not didn't really matter. Rumors were the lingering reminder that suicide was a very real thing and that it could happen anywhere at any time and be carried out by anyone. And then about a week out from our graduation, that tale that may or may not have been true was suddenly overshadowed by news that a soldier from the class that had graduated before us, uh, that one of the soldiers had been found deceased shortly after arriving at their first duty station. And by that point, I had only been in the army for about a little shy of five months. And that was me already experiencing the first loss of a fellow soldier 
And it was the first time I cried in months. And I know I always talk about like, don't cry or I didn't cry ever, but uh, it was one of those few occasions where I just couldn't hold it back. And I wasn't really sure why it got to me so much, but I think death in the military feels different. And while I never found out the exact details surrounding that soldier's death, uh, all I had heard were the rumors that seemed to confirm that their passing had been done by their own hand. And that seemed to always be the case when it came to suicide in the military was that there never seemed to be any actual confirmation. It always seemed to just be a rumor as if people were too afraid of what would come from just saying without any doubt it was a suicide. And whether our former schoolmate had committed suicide or not, the only thing I was sure of back then and for the days that followed was that that person was gone and that our paths were never going to cross again. And that was what I meant by death feeling different in the military. This wasn't a person I had known for years. Uh, this was somebody I'd only known a couple months. And if I could share more about them, I would, and I would share stories about what they accomplished during their time in the service, but I can't. Uh, this was somebody that was gone before I got the chance to know them. And while I can still remember their name and I can picture their face, the image isn't as clear as it used to be. Nevertheless, I still feel sad and heartbroken when I think back to it. And there are still bits of lingering confusion and guilt. Uh, this is this was a fellow soldier. This was somebody that I, I felt like we had failed. Uh, I guess it was because I, pro I still lacked an understanding as to why anyone would feel that that was their only option. And I was, ang I was never angry with like the soldier in AIT that, uh, passed away or with the ones that had attempted suicide uh, supposedly in BCT. Uh, I never judged anyone for giving up the only life they would have. The anger I did have about the situation stemmed from the inability to stop it because I saw it as we were soldiers and as a new soldier, I firmly believed with all my heart uh, it meant that you were supposed to take care of each other, save each other, no matter what. But then I grew up and it took deploying to really begin to understand. And it took spending months in a combat zone to see and feel for myself what a mixture of stress and sleep deprivation, trauma and separation could do to your mind. And I couldn't comprehend it until I was in a place where I depended so heavily on other people and began to connect on a much deeper level with other people. And deployment didn't shield us from suicide either, because barely a few months after we arrived in Afghanistan, the rumor started, this time about a soldier committing suicide over a Dear John letter. And... It was also about this time that a young private began to confide in me when we were on uh, guard duty together. Uh, he started to open up about himself and he would continue to do that over the years until he too eventually took his own life. And I was in dis disbelief when I initially found out, which was by a early morning phone call from one of our mutual friends, uh, 
And we had only spoken a day or two prior. And so it was hard to grasp that I would never receive another message, that he was actually gone and that there would never be another phone call. And it felt a lot like when I was 20 and my heart just felt that heaviness. And I began to ask myself once again, did I do enough? It wasn't until he had been gone for a full year that I really began to beat myself up over his passing and the possibility that I had failed him. And a lot of it was because we had gotten pretty close while we were in Afghanistan. And uh, we did a lot of guard together, months of sitting up in an empty box where there was nothing else to do but chat and to count goats and to drink too many damn energy drinks. And, uh, and I think that's where deploying is very different from training back home because you think you know the people around you. And then you go to a combat zone and you start to uncover this whole other layer. Because back in the States, he was just a kid from the Midwest to me. Uh, but in Afghanistan, he was this person that introduced me to his dark past and shared some troubling thoughts and just kind of exposed the the demons that were inside and i you know during the deployment in the couple of years that sat between afghanistan and the day of his death uh there were a few of us that talked to him quite often i wasn't the only friend that he had uh by any means there was we had our own little tribe and we all did our best to help him. Uh, but there's only so much you can do or say. And when he was still with our unit and uh, our concern for his well-being really began to kind of take over, a couple of us had suggested that he just skip the rank structure and find somebody to open up to uh, because he was uncomfortable with some of his leadership Uh but as far as I know, he never did. He never said anything. And I can't say that I'm surprised. And so what it comes down to is I think my biggest regret was that I didn't check on him more. Uh, but it most likely wouldn't have made a difference. I don't think it would have changed the outcome. But I still am kind of haunted by the what ifs. And out of everyone that I, I've lost to suicide since I joined the service, uh, shoot, almost 10 years ago, uh, his death still gets to me the most. And it wasn't just because I considered him to be my friend. It was because I felt like he trusted me and I let him down. And it was his sudden departure from this world that really caused me to re-examine the decision I was about to make about uh, getting out and leaving active duty where I was really questioning if I was going to be able to survive without my buddies and without the military. And I had just a lot of growing insecurities. And uh, two years after his death, another soldier from my cavalry unit killed himself. And then months after that, a female from our unit had taken her life as well. And people just were dropping like flies. And uh, I'd be lying if I said it didn't freak me out a little bit because I started to wonder if that was the way to go, if that was the only option. And that thought alone kind of shocked me, especially because I had spent all these years wondering why someone would feel like that was their only option. 
And I certainly had my own traumas. I was trying to work through and some mental health issues and stuff like that in my transition from civilian to, or from soldier to civilian was very rough. And the recurring loneliness I felt after walking away from the service just kind of kept feeding that impulse to want to escape. But at the same time, I had recently become a new mother and uh, in her existence left me feeling torn between wanting to find reasons to keep going and searching for the excuses I would need to kind of convince myself that she would be better off without me. Um, she gave me purpose, sure. Uh, being a mother was a reason enough for a while to live, but the problem with kind of being your own worst enemy and kind of sabotaging your own thoughts is that it doesn't take much to get yourself to believe that you're a burden. And some of that came from the VA. The VA had me convinced I was a horrible mother, that I was damaged beyond repair, that I would never be I'll just never be a good person if I had things like depression and anxiety or if I was dealing with something like PTSD. And they just made me feel like I had this, uh, like I was a liability and that I was going to damage her by being around her. And so what that kind of stole from me was this idea that being a mother was enough of a reason to live. And uh, even though nowadays, like sometimes I'm down, she definitely helps me pull through because I want to see her grow up. I want to be around for her. Uh, but I just want to make it clear that these thoughts that I had about suicide never came from a desire to be dead. Uh, the first time the thought crossed my mind was when I was being prescribed pills that had some dangerous side effects I hadn't been made aware of before taking them. And uh, I experienced a, a vast amount of hopelessness and uh, just kind of got really screwed up from the alteration of the chemicals in my brain and my body's poor response to the medication. Uh, and I know it was the medication because those thoughts quickly faded away after I quit taking it. And then the next time I kind of really dealt with it was when uh, I was leaving the service and it didn't once again, come from wanting to be dead. It came from wanting peace because I was tired of suffering and I was tired of the pain. And in all honesty, I was afraid to die. Uh, I'm too aware of this being the only life I'll have. And I don't know what comes after this. And so I don't really want to be too quick to let it go. But the problem was that I was struggling to live sometimes and that the burden was reaching a point where some days it was just too much to bear. And a lot of that is from battling constant turmoil within yourself. It's draining. And in those times when I felt like I was completely consumed by darkness, I thought I would never see the light again. And that's when suicide began to look like the only option. And that struggle that outsiders viewed as being only a temporary problem never felt that way. It never felt like it was a, a momentary thing when I was at my lowest, but that's a difficult thing to explain when people are blinded by stigma or too uncomfortable with, you know, talking about a subject like suicide. And I've always had a really hard time explaining my thoughts on suicide because, uh, 
in the past, I've often chosen social media as the platform to do that. And even with writing a book and having a podcast, uh, I still find that anytime you make somebody uncomfortable or they disagree with what you're saying or writing, uh, you're quickly erased or you're blocked, you're deleted. Uh, either way, you're ignored or silenced. And when we start to remove these tough conversations regarding mental health or suicide, and we try to pretend it doesn't exist, uh, we kind of set people up for being caught off guard when they meet face to face. And hindering these tough discussions seems to do nothing more than condition us to turn a blind eye to very important signs, signs that would have otherwise indicated when an individual was coming too close to the edge. And while I know I can't speak for everyone, uh, I cannot say that I know for certain where the reluctance or hesitation to talk about suicide and suicidal ideation comes from. Uh, I've mentioned that stigma plays a big role in that. I imagine there's fear that the wrong thing might be said. Uh, some people just don't know the correct course of action to take when they're met with somebody that's struggling. And I know that, you know, sometimes just throwing out a website or a phone number can make people feel like there was a lack of effort. And so uh, some people are hesitant to try to help. It's not that they don't want to, it's that they're, they're not really sure that they can do it in the most efficient way. And so I guess really what it comes down to is our reasons for avoiding this tough topic vary, but nonetheless, these topics require discussion in order for people to gain understanding. And as a veteran, something I've heard enough times to consider mentioning is that some people believe women just don't choose the suicide route. Not enough anyways to consider it a serious problem. And I found that out mostly from being on a veteran suicide awareness page. And I saw a veteran ask on there, why do we even talk about mental health issues in veteran, like female veterans? Why do we give them this special attention? Uh, can anybody even think of a female that's killed herself? And to someone like me, that was really hard to see, uh, especially coming from a fellow veteran, not just because I'm a female veteran, but because uh, I know too many women that have killed themselves. And I understand that we're not doing it at a rate as our, as our male counterparts, but with women making up one of the fastest growing groups in the veteran community, I don't think it would hurt to have us be part of the conversation a little bit more. And with more women joining the armed forces and combat arms roles being open to us, uh, this belief, which I think too many civilians and, uh, civilians and veterans hold, is that uh, women don't have traumatic military experiences or we don't have enough of a reason to struggle to the point where suicide would even be a thing. Uh, just like the men we serve with, we can be changed by what we see and what we do. And we carry invisible wounds also. And we don't always feel like we can open up about our struggles. If ending the 22 a day is a goal that many of us share, then just one loss, male or female, is one too many. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more episodes from Cruise Corner, make sure to subscribe.
You can listen to episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. If you would like to be featured on a future episode, please reach out to our Instagram page at cruise underscore corner.